Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Pasha Jian. This is basically our fourth podcast we're doing on Team Medley. This one is going to be an interesting one because today we have a special guest. And the, f- the two previous panels that we've had was uh, Bob Agolris and Sina Saimion, which are still on here. But today will be interesting because today we want to talk about the Asian Cup games. We have a coach that has experience in various group levels, international experience. He's gonna be, we're going to be focusing on the Asian Cup games mostly. So my name is Pasha Ajian once again, and then my Twitter is at PASH021. I'm going to pass this along to Bobak. Hi, everyone. It's a pleasure to be with you here again. Uh, I'm Bobak Golris. My Twitter ID is Bobak, B-A-B-A-K, Golris, G-O-L-R-I-Z. Hi, guys. It's really nice to speak to you. I'm Sina, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, S-I-N-A-A underscore S-A. Yes, and uh, I'm the new guy. My name is Tur Tordesen. I'm a Norwegian professional coach. Uh, 48, 48 years old. Uh, been working in football for more than 20 years. Um, both uh, here on top level here in Norway and uh, and a stint in in Eastern Europe as well as uh, uh, 16 months in in Abu Dhabi. Uh, my last contract ended in. In May now, just a month ago. All right, thank you. Uh, first of all, I just want to start off with tour. I have a question for you: Is what, what, like, because you you coach various uh, age levels and stuff in Europe and big some notable clubs like Estonia and stuff as a country. Um, what have you seen coaching there as opposed to I know you coach in the UAE. What have you seen as the most growth de- development and stuff as you see when you compare and contrast the teams? Well, you're talking now about. Uh the whole ladder from the younger ones yeah. up until the professional yeah. ones. Yeah. Um, my first impression when I came to the UAE is uh, that uh, they have a certain uh, culture for for playing with the ball. You know, when you see in the youngsters, you can you can find a, a lot of um, uh, interesting skills. You know, quite confident with the ball, and and uh, I was. Uh, uh, let's say I was positively, positively surprised about the level of the the, you know, the general technique. Um, then, uh, of course, there is uh, a lot more to say about the, the physical side, the the fitness, uh, the organization of the of the teams when they play, and and this is also reflected on on the lack of organization in in training, in in my opinion. Yeah, I've a, and I just want to keep keep going back to this point is that the mentality. What do you, what have you seen as the mentality of the players composed of the European players as from the various age groups? And then we wanted them to discuss them later on. What have you seen? Well, this is this is of course of course a, a really big subject, and and uh, we could probably uh, use a whole podcast podcast just to <laughs> talk about that, but. Uh, uh, in general, and maybe maybe some people in, in, in the Emirates would uh, dislike this this view, but uh, I'm I'm afraid that it's it's a problem when when things come too easy for you, you know, when you're used to getting what you want in all situations in life. Uh, I see I see a lack of hunger, uh, not because they are. Are not interested in their sport or anything. It's just when it comes to you, really have to to grind your teeth. You know, then then they uh, easily want to do something else. You know, and 
when you talk to a player, he comes. Well, example is a player, uh, and then I'm talking a professional grown-up player comes to me and said, "I need to improve my speed." And I said, "Of course, yeah, uh, I have a lot of methods to do that, and uh, we have to do it outside the the team training, of course. So meet me tomorrow morning at ten o'clock, and, and and we'll start working." And he comes the first morning, maybe the second, the third, then he is half an hour late, and the fourth. Uh, he, he had to go somewhere, take his mother to the mall, you know. So it's it's always when you when it comes to hard work, I think they are a little bit too lazy, to be honest. Yeah. So to before, because I want to then I want to jog back again. I made him say I should have jogged that again. As I remember, you told me once that in a, you're you're quoted in like a famous like a journal in a newspaper article or something about Team Melli about Iran that you wouldn't actually think they were gonna get a point out of the Group F of the Brazil. What 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 made you think that? Well, now we know how they did and we yeah. we've seen them. So so now we have the the answer in a way. But uh, to be honest, even even though I've, I've been in your your area, I was probably co- uh, colored by the reports that uh, comes through in, in European press, you know, and uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, more they're they're more based on a lack of uh, actual knowledge, you know, uh, but uh, uh, a lot of uh, well, the writing uh, when you when you see all the previews on the teams was was uh, focused on a lot of negatives, you know, and and. I'm thinking afterwards, uh, if there was a, a clever PR guy in the, in the Iranian setup, or, or this is just how uh, European media wants to, to uh, project on it, but uh, uh, one of the cases was that they lacked socks, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that they didn't have kits for, for preparation or for games, you know, and yeah. to be honest, if you're a PR guy, this is the kind of stories you should leak, because then you'll get attention, you know. But, uh, yeah. but of course, then again, it, it colors uh, the whole uh, the whole uh, prediction of the team, and, and, uh, and uh, they were a lot better than uh, than could be expected uh, from what we read. Yeah. When and what do you think about Kairos now? Has he changed Iran very very well? Well, yeah. To be honest, um, I, I'm thinking now that he. He put down a lot of hard work, uh, of course, and and he actually uh, managed his own career in a fantastic way, you know. Because to be a coach, to go to go to a World Cup, uh, no matter what team you're coaching, it's uh, it's uh, bound to be a highlight in your career, and it can do a lot of good for you. Uh, of course, his CV, he's been uh, been at the top level uh, for many years, and and coached some of the best players in the world and some of the big teams, you know, but. So to go there and to bring Iran to the World Cup, uh, it's a great achievement, and of course it will have done a lot for his career as well. Uh, but I would be even more impressed if he now stayed on and and, and could build on this. Uh, I don't know where the situation stands today. It's... Oh, you gotta ask that to Cena. He has an inside leak. He knows who's gonna be the next coach. <laughs> Cena who's gonna be the next coach, buddy. Um... <laughs> it's not what I think. It's just the you know it's a theory that I think yeah. it's going to be Hossein Tariqi. So, well, that's if uh, Kairos doesn't sign the new contract. I mean, I like Bob Bob. I was just Galenoy. Yeah. Well, you guys have anything to say about tour about this? We just want to keep creating discussion. Because then I want to talk about more about if you've seen. Uh, have you seen the rising youngster when you were coaching in the Europe? 
uh, tour. Have you seen anyone? Have you ever even coached an Iranian player overseas or at the UAE? No, not overseas, no. But not even the UAE? Well, uh, no, uh, but that's more of a coincidence, I guess. But uh, no, not in, in UAE either. Guys, what do you guys, so what do you guys want to ask? Any, you guys have any questions? like to know in yeah. uh, tour in terms of uh, Asian football what do you see the even let, let's not even compare to Europe because that's a yeah, different yeah. level what do you see uh, the, the main difference between East Asia and West Asia and what's holding back West Asian football oh that's a, that's an interesting question of course uh, I could start just by making a little comparison with with Europe just to put the picture when it comes to, to the, the the physical side of the game, because now yeah. you see uh, one of the challenges we have now in football is that people are getting so strong, so fast that uh, it's, uh, in my opinion, it's even challenging the, the rules of the game because uh, the impact you see on, on the collisions now, it's it's getting crazy. And, and that's the fact, you know, when you look at world football and, and uh, from the UAE perspective, they are... Uh, they are a lot behind on the, on the physical side. And this is not only about fitness and training, but it's also about uh, selection of players. You know, we, we made tests in, in Banyas and uh, physical tests. And, and, and at that time, you also you measure the height and the weight of the players. And, and we compared to uh, European Champions League level and, and uh, came out with... Uh, uh, an average height of five centimeter less and five kilos less body weight body weight and this is something that uh, well of course it has a little bit to do with selection of players but it, it was uh, average numbers you know for for a lot of players so that's a point that uh, that is interesting uh, Asian people are lighter and smaller um, and then again can they develop their game uh, to make this an advantage. Uh, one of the world's best players uh, is, is still uh, like an Asian in the body, you know, with Messi. So, so, but then again, would you want 11 Messi's in the team? Um, <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, and and yes. when you, to your question then, um, first of all, uh, there is no reason why you shouldn't be on level with the other Asians, uh, at least. Um, whether you are or not, uh, you you uh, imply that you are not, and then probably it's it's right. But um, um, to 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 point out what the difference is between the uh, the one side of Asia and and, uh, and the other, it's to me not not easy. I, I don't have a, a a more or a deeper answer than than that it comes to both the number of people to select from and, of course, money to make preparation and so on. Thank you. But, but, yeah. but what about in the UAE? As far as I know, they invest a lot in terms of facilities. Yeah. Now, uh, that's what you read in the newspapers. You would know better because you worked in that uh, atmosphere and environment. So since they're investing a lot, are they investing enough in the grassroots and youth football in terms of encouraging players or people I should say or young boys to start playing at the age of seven six eight and then creating the training camps or uh, or whatever you want to call them to be able to pick out talents at a younger age and develop them and invest in them are they doing these sort of things right now 
would say definitely not. Uh, I cannot speak for all the clubs, and I I, um, I suspect that uh, a couple of the bigger clubs like Alain, like uh, Al Ali Dubai, uh, are doing uh, better. Al Nasser Dubai, uh, even Al Wada in Abu Dhabi, uh, are known to have uh, quite a good uh, youth setup. But uh, my experience is that it's at least. Uh, another half of the top league clubs who could do a lot better, a lot better. And the, the biggest uh, the biggest problem is that they are always looking for the quick fix. And when you have the money, you can do this, of course. You can start building from the top. You can uh, judge all your teams by the quality of the foreigners. This is also a very strange thing to me because uh, uh, well, uh, a group of players on the first team uh, is uh, 25 players and even uh, still they when you talk to them about qualities of the team they're always uh, talking about the qualities of the foreigners so if you succeed with the four foreigners then you have a good team that's their uh, that's their way of approaching it and, and to me it should be the other way around because if all the clubs have the money to bring in four good foreigners then it's a question what you do with your locals and the team with the best locals will be the best team uh, but uh, they're always going for the quick fix. They're always building from the top. And this means also, and, and especially with coaches, they bring in a lot of good coaches, but they give them uh, two months to, to prove themselves and to bring in the results. And if they don't, they're out again. And always they go, uh, when, the, when the coach is out, he brings all his, uh, his uh, coaching team, uh, which means you sack not only one, but maybe six uh, coaches at the same time. I've even seen them, them send out the whole medical team at the, at the same time. Then you sack 11 people, uh, approximately. And, and this is crazy because the competence, the, 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 you know, you cannot grow a culture if you always throw out people. And, and uh, this, this makes them unable to save what is good about any coaching team. And of course, there is, with, with all of them, there are something good. But they are not giving the chance to build on this. So there's there's never there's never anything left when 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 they change. So they, they start from the from the from scratch again all the time. And this is the biggest problem that there is no culture to you know for step by step you know and for for making a plan a three year plan a five year plan and then stick to it uh, no matter what happens along the way. You know that's the biggest problem. Sinan, well, do you have any questions? I don't have a question, but uh, I just wanted to make one yeah. one point. And uh, of course, he, uh, our good friend Tor, just talked about uh, the clubs in UAE. But I think that yeah. is a that is a really good point in terms of uh, why we don't in Iran we don't necessarily develop the right amount of players as we did before. And I think it comes down to the fact that at clubs in the Premier League, the managers don't really get that much time to try new players and, and implement their style. I mean, for, for a few years, you, you get to see the very same players play over and over again just at different clubs because once a manager goes in, he, he knows he's not going to, he knows he wouldn't really have the time to um, try out new players and bring the young players in and, and see how they do. So he just goes and buys uh, the already tried players at, at other clubs. And I think that is an issue with developing new players in. in in Iran, and we, we touched on it last week as well, that uh, our clubs needs to, needs a bit more stability in terms of uh, letting the managers and the coaches stay at, at the club a bit longer, 
even this season, we, we barely see that apart from Estegler or uh, Sepahan or a couple of other clubs. We need that stability. We need the coaches and the managers to stay at clubs a little bit longer so we can see new players coming in. Otherwise, all our talents, um, I, I wouldn't say they get wasted, but they, really, they wouldn't really get the chance to yeah. show themselves um, in comparison to, uh, to other nations in, a- in Asia, uh, specifically East Asian countries. But uh, Sina, I would say that that's uh, that's embodying the current state of football everywhere. Yeah. There was a time when managers used to have four or five seasons easily, and now it's more like half a season to a season to prove themselves, even in the Premier League or uh, La Liga and the other big leagues in uh, Europe. I mean, Italian league used to be the one that was uh, trigger happy, but now every league is p- pretty much giving a, a shelf life of a manager of something like six months to 18 months at most yeah. that's the average so of course but perfect example is david moyes i think with european clubs i mean the, the owners or the chairman and you know the, the hierarchy of the club are pretty much stable but i don't think that is the case in iran so yeah, even in that sense the chairmans are even under more pressure as well to make sure the manager gets the result yeah. that they want otherwise he would have to go Toward, what do you what do you have to add to this? That there is there is one big difference. Uh, I agree totally what you said about the the same uh, the same pressure on top and maybe even more uh, in 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 some other European nations. So that's not that that's nothing different. But the difference, in my opinion, is that uh, if uh, well, let's let's just uh, accept that the pressure for results for the first team is there uh, and. The, in UAE, for instance, it's so easy to let them go if they lose three three games in a row. But uh, there, uh, compared to Europe, you don't have the strong setup for the for the player development. You don't have a sporting director who who is given time to to put in the right people in the right positions to make uh, a structure for the development side uh, and and just release that or, or um, divide that from the professional. Uh, first team uh, uh, demands, you know. So, so you could have, uh, in, you could easily set up this in in UAE also if if they were interested. Make a strong setup for the player development side, hire the right people, and give them time because eventually then they will start deliver, and then the the first team can live a little uh, on the side of this, and you can expect <coughs> that there you have to win games, and if you lose four in a row, you're out. But but uh, in in Banias uh, the problem is that when the coach is out there is uh, at the moment he leaves and, and before the next one is hired there is actually not one single person left with competence in in, in football and in, in, in development and that's the truth you know and and uh, until they do something about that they will they will do like they have been for the last uh, ten years you know they 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 come third in league one year and and then year after they're ninth. Then again, they can be uh, top, and then a year after they use three coaches and they're number eight again. So it's there is there's no consistency when you work like this. Tor, uh, I have a question. I mean, obviously it applies to the UAE where you've worked, but I think it mm. can apply to our country, Iran, as well. Uh, I'd like to know uh, what is what do foreign a good what does a good foreign manager or coach add to the players considering the mentality the physical differences etc when they come to the UAE what is it that you can add to those players is it some sort of short term uh, short term let's say push or does it have some sort of longer term impetus on the players as well well uh, 
again, um, there is uh, there is one textbook uh, way of doing things, and and then there is, uh, <laughs> in my opinion, the more correct way to do it uh, because you have to acknowledge that you're coming to a different culture, and if you think that you're gonna change everything overnight, then you'll probably be out before you have the chance to do that. So when you're working with people, you have to t take in consideration their culture, how they are, how they think, and then start trying to uh, to change. Well, you have to be tough on the things that you see that this has to change. There is no way. If we don't change this, we can never uh, improve. That's that's maybe a few things that, that you need to put your foot down and make sure that this is handled in the correct way. But then there is a hundreds of other things that I think you you should uh, uh, you should attack it attack it with a little bit of smartness, you know, not thinking that you can change everything overnight. Because I've seen so many examples, and they're out before they uh, unpack, you know. And and this is uh, this applies to if you come as an international coach, you change totally, you change environment, you change. Uh, well, you travel to the other side of the world, you know. Then you have to expect that people are not exactly like you're used to. And and if you cannot, if you cannot, um, if you don't see that, you will be in trouble. So, uh, in in UAE, uh, there is examples, you know, a Spanish coach bringing in his own nutritionist. And okay, okay uh, you have to find out what is what is in the. Instead of trying to make them eat Mediterranean kitchen, uh, try to find out what is what is healthy from the Arabic food and, 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 and start there, you know. Because if you try to, to, to make them something they're not, then you'll, you'll uh, of course, you'll be out before you see the results of anything. So I, I um, you know, there are, there are, from a coaching point of view, you have the, the, you have the, the week plan. Okay, you play a game on Sunday, uh, any professional team in Europe would then, uh, directly after the game, uh, start preparing for the next game. It comes, uh, you know, we're talking about minutes after the referee gives the, the final whistle. Uh, you have to have um, uh, protein bars and, uh, you know, uh, drinks, uh, uh, you know, start, you know, treat your body like a machine who is going to deliver again on Wednesday or next weekend. And then uh, make sure you get in all the, 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 you know, treat your body in the best possible, possible, possible way. Uh, and then Monday, get together, uh, do, do the, uh, the training, which is, uh, which is correct for the day after the, the, the washout. And then uh, sit down, watch uh, game analysis, video analysis of the game. And then... Tuesday, okay, you, you don't play a game until next Sunday, rest on Tuesday. And then from Wednesday, prepare for next game. This is normal, you know, this is how, this is how from a uh, fitness point of view, it should be done, you know. Use the first hours to, to, to start the recuperation. But in, in UAE, uh, you know, when you say that as a coach, I say, no, 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 the players, they always need to, you know, to have a, a late night out. Uh, <laughs> after the game let them relax we've been in camping you know we go to a hotel day before they need to come out with their <coughs> friends relax get the, you know not to think about the game you know and then of course you cannot get them up in the morning on monday it's not impo it's not possible if they went to to bed at three or four o'clock you know? 
So then uh, Monday, day after game, always day off. And then you come in Tuesday and they're still not recuperated. So you have a bad session or a recuperation session on Tuesday, which means you're not prepared to train as hard on Wednesday as you would have been if you started the recuperation directly after the match. And I think if, if you want to, as a European coach, you have to single out your fights. Which ones are you going to take and which ones are you either going to look the other way or try to improve it a little bit step by step, you know. So, so that's, that's my opinion. If you come in and try to turn the world upside down, you'll be out before you unpack, you know. Yeah. Uh, Tor, I have a question for you. You were telling me earlier about your first going as a fitness coach and that something happened along the way. Uh, can you explain that to us, to the viewers? That was a really interesting story. Well, yeah, uh, I, um, as I told you, I, yeah. uh, I used uh, the, the years up, uh, until I went there in, in uh, February uh, 2013. I was in the head coach for, for several seasons. Um, but then my, my Norwegian professor, uh, which I, I used to work with in, in my Norwegian teams, a physiology professor, he, he was there testing them. Uh, on recommendation from Real Madrid, actually, because he knows the, the head of the medicine department in, in Real Madrid. Banyas contacted Real Madrid and asked for um, for help, and um, and Real Madrid said that we, we don't have the possibility to send anybody now, but we recommend this Norwegian professor. His name is Mr. Helgerud. Uh, so uh, he went down there with a portable lab, tested them for speed and, and um, endurance and, and power everything and uh, he, he presented them with the results and of course they saw that they were behind you know um, and then uh, they asked if he could come again uh, in three months and he said of course I can but uh, if you don't change anything of the your preparation in, in that period uh, you will have the same results and that's how he, he ended by recommending me but when I came there I found that this was not actually something that the head coach had wanted. It was a Czech coaching team led by Joseph Chovanec, a very experienced, good coach with good results in, in Europe. He used to coach the, the team of uh, Czech, Czech, Czech Republic in, in the Euro 2000 with uh, Nedved and Popolski and Smyshir and Berger and you know, all the, the top players. Uh, and and uh, so he's, he's, a, he's a good coach. but. Uh, he didn't actually order for me to <laughs> to come, which was a <laughs> special situation. But uh, then I've, I've been there. Uh, I've been there for five weeks, and they fired him. So then, at one time, then there was only me left because I, since I didn't come with that team, I didn't go with that team either. I didn't leave with that team. So I was then made uh, uh, first team coach, and assistant to to a local called uh, Salem Alurafi, who was uh, then. Uh, interim manager for the rest of this uh, 2013 campaign. Um, but then again, when I came back uh, last summer, they had again hired a new team. Um, they told me when I left for, for vacation that I would represent the uh, continuity between the, the 2013 and 14 season. But uh, then again, they hired a, a Uruguayan coach, um, Jose da Silva, and, and he insisted on bringing in his, his own full uh, squad, which is normal in, in football. So so then I was offered to, to stay with uh, and in, in a developmental role uh, in the academy and to, to coach the, um, the second team. So this is what I've been doing the, the last season. 
So, uh, you know, to come there alone made it possible to stay for 16 months. If I'd come with a team, I would be would have been out at, at one time because they had three teams during my session. But uh, then again, when you are uh, operating alone, um, it, it makes it a little bit harder also. Definitely. My, my other question to you is, is that because we saw how impressive they were, UAE was how impressive they were in the Olympics. Um, did you ever work with any of those players individuals, or do you know any of them, or do you think they're going to carry that team onto the Asian Cup? Because it feels like that same team that was in the Olympics, they're still going to be the same team that's going to we're going to be the one that will be playing in the Asian Cup games next year. No, well, in in if you look at UAE football in total, yeah. this, this is the most interesting uh, thing going on at the moment. Yeah. The development of the of the national team and with Madali, uh, who is a local uh, coach, uh, this is also interesting because they don't seem to trust uh, many local coaches. But uh, now actually one is doing really, really well with the, with the national team and this should open doors and maybe uh, make it more, uh, make it better for, for the local coaches to, to have their chances, you know, because he's doing so well. and. He's been with this team uh, when they were uh, developing this team on the way uh, during the under 18th and 19th and the Olympics. And uh, he has been given the time even to pick players which had the bigger, the better uh, perspective maybe, but they weren't, uh, they weren't uh, maybe the best players at the time because you had you had 30-year-old uh, midfielders who could do probably better at international level than, than the youngsters that they played, but but they gave them the chance and, and it was a, a good um, experience for them in the Olympics and they've continued through the qualification and and uh, they look really strong and it's, it's an interesting team to watch because they are, uh, what do you say in English? Uh, Homogenic, or mm. well, I don't know what's the what's the, the correct uh, word, but they are uh, they're all in the same age group more or less, and and you can see that they are strong together. There, there's a good team spirit in this team, and that's that's the strength. And they will for years to come, I think, they will still improve, and um, that's why I think already in in January it uh, it will be a really interesting team to watch. Yeah, so they're going to be playing with the likes of Iran, Bahrain, and Qatar. Where do you see UAE going in this Asian Cup compared to the likes of Iran? Well, that's uh, that be a guess again because I, I I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not enough into the at least not the other Gulf states there, yeah. the Bahrain and Qatar to to, to say something uh, really uh, meaningful about that. Uh, but uh, again, um, yeah, I you asked one question about individual players and and. Yeah. Uh, uh, Banias has had three players more or less uh, regular in his squad. It's uh, Salah Abush, who's a, uh, a winger, and then uh, you have uh, a right back who's been playing more or less regularly, and, and then uh, Amir, uh, Amir then who, who uh, will again be, I think, uh, uh, in this group when he recovered from his, uh, his ACL ligament uh, injury. But uh, you know the star of the of the, the team is Umar Abdurrahman um, in a line, the midfielder. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of talk about him going everywhere all the time, from from Arsenal to Benfica to Manchester City. Um, 
I'm not sure if that will happen, to be honest. Uh, but he's a, he's a really gifted player. I'm just a little bit worried about him on, uh, in a European top level because of his uh, his uh, physical side. Uh, he's small and he's lightweight. Uh, but then again, we said if Messi uh, can survive with his size, which he obviously does, <laughs> then uh, it should be possible for for other players as well. But you have to have something that really compensates uh, the lack of uh, of uh, physical uh, ability, you know, in the duels. And, okay, and okay, again, okay. when when you see the the you see all the drugbus coming through now in the in the World Cup and yeah. the speed and the you know the the power that you see in every Jew you know it's sometimes uh, in the slow motion you have to look away because you think he'll, he'll break something you know and this is this is really what I feel now he's been shown so so you know shine through in this World Cup that uh, they are getting more and more like machines you know the, the top level players yeah. Baba, I think you really wanted to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to just elaborate a little bit on Omar Abdul Rahman's mm. uh, potential. I mean, can, compared to the kind of players you've uh, you've uh, coached at his age, I know you haven't coached him, but you may have seen him in games against Banyasa as well. Mm. How uh, good does he compare to the counterparts in European football at the same age? Well, I think he's second to none when it comes to his uh, both his. Uh, his basic technique and his vision. His vision is, is fantastic, you know. He, uh, well, he's the, he's the, and he's got that fantastic balance between uh, doing the unexpected and doing the, uh, you know, the, the expected and the, the sound and wise thing in, in every situation, you know. So you never know what you get from him. He can be second on, on uh, second last on. Lot of goal scoring chances just by his vision and his ability, and uh, he's a really fun player to, to watch. Um, so, uh, I, I'm not saying he will not uh, succeed in, on the European top level, but I think it's about time now maybe that he starts uh, thinking about going there if, if, he, if he wants to go there. And that's another question does he really want it, or is it? enough for him to be uh, a star in in UAE because he is definitely uh, well probably the biggest sports star in in the whole UAE sorry guys i just wanted to ask one question as yeah. well um sorry in in regards to coaches how do you see the local coaches i mean are they were they at the level that you expected them to when when you went in at first or i mean did they surprise you in a good way in a bad way and do you see them developing as much as the players do or yeah, just just elaborate on that, please. I, again, it would be harsh maybe to generalize, but uh, I think it applies a little bit the same as I uh, as I indicated when it comes to the players that there has to be a hunger. You know, there has to be a really, really. It has to be your number one goal. You know, to go somewhere or to do something that stands out from the crowd, and. Um, I see that in less people uh, in UAE than I do compared to uh, Norway, which is also a rich country where people uh, don't have to, uh, uh, well, they don't use their energy fighting for their daily bread, you know. So, so uh, uh, well, no, I just generalized. But <laughs> in order not to do that, you have, of course, talents and you have, you have. Uh, 
a coach like this spoke about the uh, uh, national team coach who is now proving that it's quite possible for a local to do really well so and i work with some good people in, in Banyas as well but again uh, if you want to achieve something if you want to go places you really have to well you have to give it your all and that's the question with the whole society in, in the rich countries that things comes too easy that's my personal opinion at least so I have a question for you from my from my personal thing. It just seems like in the usually in the golf countries and stuff, it's mostly they it feels like they feel like more dependent on foreign coaches as opposed to local coaches. Because in their own majority of the coaches in the rainy league are local, but I feel like back in UAE and some you know other golf countries, just golf coast countries, I just feel like they mostly they just feel like it's mostly dependent on foreign coaches trying to come change. Is that because of the players' ego or just the mentality? Is what is, what have you seen? In, in UAE, you have to look at the whole uh, the whole structure of the society. You know, mm. they use experts for everything, and yeah. they don't work as much as they as as any other countries. You know, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in many yeah, ways. <laughs> when, I, when I came there, I I thought you know I was. I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah, I've been there for some weeks, and I was uh, brought up to the, the top office on the stadium with the, the managing director of the club, the, the, the right hand of the sheikh who owns the club. And he, okay, well, he we sat down and, and he asked me how how are you doing and how do you like it here, and I I was happy and and impressed also with the facilities and everything, and and uh, and so. Uh, and then we started talking. He said, "Okay, uh, we have a problem. We don't score goals. Uh, we have only Andre at that time. Andre Sengahor, uh, Senegalese striker who played in Banyas. Uh, so what do we do with that?" He, he asked me. Just uh, just sitting down with tea, you know, and, and discussing football. And mm-hmm. I, I was in the, then my Norwegian mentality kicks in, and I was starting to think as a, as a as a guy who had only been there for like uh, three weeks or something. I said, okay, let's make a let's make a project. Let's make a, a finish a, a goal scoring project. We have to put Andre there. Uh, we have to take this guy and this guy and this guy because there were some young, promising, in my opinion, promising strikers. Especially one who has a fantastic uh, physical uh, presence, but he was a little bit stressed in the finishing situations. And this is something you can work on. This is something I would like to work on. As a coach, and uh, so I said, let's put him and him and him. And so I, I come up with five names, you know. Uh, let's make a project with them, uh, three, four times a week, half an hour, isolated finishing, different, different exercises. And he said, okay, well, yeah, that could be interesting, but you see, um, I don't think we can do that uh, from a contractual uh, side because then uh, we would be asking them to to train more because he asked when can we do it and I said we have to do it uh, in front of the or before the team's practice or, or keep them half an hour after. So so I so his first reaction was that I don't think we we are allowed to do that because they have a working contract uh, with the club and and it would be demanding more of them than the others. And I said okay well <laughs> I in my mind the footballers want to 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 practice, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's before or after or extra. So well, then I came up with another suggestion that, uh, okay, let's do it inside the, the practice. Then I, I'll talk to the head coach and let's have every second day he'll give us 25 minutes uh, on one end of the pitch while he's doing something else with the rest of the group. 
and they said, oh no, uh, well, I don't think that will be possible because then the other players will be jealous because the finishing is the, the most fun part of the training and, and the defenders and the midfielders, if they cannot take part, then, uh, then I, don't, I think they will protest. And at that time, I was, oh no, I was thinking my head was spinning around the third <laughs> option, but I was, I was too, too, you know, so I, I didn't, oh, well, then I said, okay, well, then, uh, then I don't have any more suggestions. And he said, no, well, that, uh, that settles it, then we'll have to buy another striker. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, uh, I just want to. I just want to say something. That was a very interesting point. Language, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a quick question. Like just back okay, to that, that point. <laughs> if you, if that, if if the head, like let's say, like a different coach in Europe would say that, would would they, would that person respond the same way? Obviously not. How would that person respond if it was in Europe, for example? That's just like that's like a very very eager mentality, though. No, of course. Uh, if that was a sporting director or, or a CEO. Uh, CEO in, in, in a European club, he said, yeah, of course, go ahead. If he trusted me to do yeah. it, he would uh, definitely want me to do it. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I talk about uh, the, the, the hidden learning, which is when you put Andre, which is, was a super, especially uh, from, uh, from aerial, from crossers, he was a fantastic header of the ball, put uh, the, the 17, 19, 20 years old players together with him because only to study him finishing and make competitions with him would be great for them, you know. And the, the one thing is the coach telling you, okay, you have to do so and so with your hip or your neck or, you know, going into the, the methodological way of heading the ball. And another thing would just be to see and to learn from, from what you see and what you experience. And I believe at least as much as the, at that point, point of learning than, than the other one, the coach instructing everything. So, so this would be a good, uh, a good uh, method. And, and, but, um, yeah, like I said, it was not supported. Uh, and, and um, at that time I was thinking, uh, because I was, you know, impressed with everything I saw in the country, I was thinking, okay, so they don't believe in the, in the longer perspective and the learning educational side of football yeah. they don't they don't get the, the, the grip of this but that's the same I'm problem we have in Iran car, I see all the tall buildings I see all the five lane motorways and I think there must be somebody else with a sense of good planning in this country there must be a culture for good planning but then after staying a while I, I learned that all the people building the tallest buildings in the world and, and or the, doing the planning for this nation is also hired people mostly from Europe or other parts of the world you know so well then you have to consider when it comes to the UAE that uh, that they are a really young nation and they don't have uh, generations to build them from a strategic or a planning way of doing things I think that's uh, well in my opinion that's at least a part of the answer Definitely. You guys, uh, Bob, after saying, you guys have any other questions? I just, um, I just wanted to say yeah. something in the echoes of Tor's words. Um, I read a quote from uh, the current England manager, Roy Hodgson, and uh, he was saying how, because he was uh, the UAE manager in the early 2000s, I believe, and uh, he was saying how those two, three years when he was there managing the national team, it was, it was a difficult time in terms of getting the players to 
to believe in his project and to work hard to reach the goals that he wanted to reach. So he clearly sensed that lack of hunger, that lack of ambition to really work hard to, to get to that next level. And I think that was uh, that was really, um, you know, what Tor was saying in uh, in his words in, in, the sense, in the sense that whether it's coaches or the players, there is... Is that lack of hunger and, and the ambition to to work hard and try and uh, reach the levels that maybe you haven't reached before? And I think uh, Roy Hudson mentioned that as well. Of course, being the UAE manager. But then again, it would be uh, unfair, you know, to just uh, just uh, label people as as lazy or as uh, uninterested in 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 what would be uh, good for them. So I think it's uh, from a coach's point of view it's it's about uh, how can you facilitate uh, for for this how can you make it happen even uh, with the obstacles you meet you know because uh, they are young people they have ambition of course they have and, and again it's 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 stupid to generalize because people are different wherever in the world you go people are different so um, I think it's for a European coach uh, or, a, or a foreign coach in UAE it's also a matter of learning the, the culture and, and facilitate for this even with the obstacles you meet and, and that's a really really interesting challenge I, I actually think that you know like just to give context to the word hunger and ambition mm-hmm. is the fact that professional footballers in the UAE get a lot of money at a very young age, with a very light, Big let's egos. say, tra- yeah. training uh, schedules, etc. The expectations in terms of what they are doing in return for that money may not have been as high from the beginning of their professional uh, careers. Therefore, they, they get to a point where they, they, they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like they said contractually, like the managing director of the clubs mentioned yeah. to Tor, that, uh, you know what, uh, we've got them on a contract and... Uh, we can't expect them to work above that. So it's more like they're doing what they're supposed to do in return to for what they're getting paid for. And that is a handsome amount at times. And therefore, they become complacent in the sense that, you know what, I have my family here, I have my lifestyle here, I have my late nights out with my friends, I'm getting good money, I play football once a week, I train three times a week. What more do I want? Do I really need to push myself to another level? And that goes back to the society in general, being a young society. I lived no. there for a long time. And uh, it, it's, it's a predicament in a way, especially with the local population it's uh, you have to live there to understand how how uh, how it is it's kind of like a bubble isolated from the rest of the world and uh, that's good and bad at the same time but uh, to, to want to really push yourself to, to go to the next level when it comes to professional football they really need to get outside their comfort zone and sometimes the clubs themselves and the infrastructure doesn't make it easy for them to push themselves to another level. Uh, you have There was a player a few years ago called Ismail Mata. He was a fantastic talent. Uh, oh, he's yes. still playing, and I think yeah. he's the captain of the national team. In my opinion, at the time at, when he was at his best, he could have gone and gotten into the Iran national team starting lineup and possibly a number of other top Asian sides who have always lacked a top striker. If you look at Japan, Korea, Iran, Iran since Ali Dai, uh, Japan and Korea, they've been looking for a good top number nine. And this guy was speedy. He, was, he had a good turn. He had a good shot. He was hard working on the pitch. He had it all. But 
he never really pushed himself to go to European football. And I do not believe whatsoever that he didn't have the opportunities. I'm sure he had opportunities to go there. But he was well taken care of in the UAE. He was yeah. uh, idolized by the youngsters, by the club presidents who would give gifts and this and that. And that kind of really, uh, it has a negative effect in the longer term because players are very happy to stay there. And to go to the next level, you really need to get outside your comfort zone. We have this problem in Iran right now. Sadar Azmoun is a great example yeah. of that. Yeah, Ali Reza Haidi, Sardar yeah. Azmoun, these are players who had a, Ali Reza Jahanbakhsh, these yeah. are players who could have stayed and moved to the biggest clubs in Iran and gotten paid more money than they're getting now at Rubin Kazan and uh, NEC in uh, Holland, respectively. But they chose to go there at a young age. Why? Because they see a longer-term benefit for them. And these are the exceptions to the rules. And we have 77 million people in our country. Why should we expect the country with much better facilities, I would say, in terms of football infrastructure than ours, but with a population of about 1 million locals only to actually have their players do something differently. I mean, we're having this problem on a larger scale in Iran right now with even less uh, professional benefits to stay in Iran compared to the UAE. So I, I think it's a it's a regional issue and it's it's an obstacle to prevent us from going to the next level. And uh, Tor, I mean, Tor has faced that over there and it's yeah. not... It's not right to generalize, but it's society as a whole. It's nothing to do with the football. It's nothing to do with uh, football players being singled out, I think. No, I, to I totally agree with, with everything you said. And, and, and you know, it, you have to fit it into the, the, the biggest picture, you know, and it's about uh, culture and, and mentality in the, in the society as a whole. And, uh, and uh, well, in one way, you, you can ask when, when you see uh, even in, in Banias the second team players coming to, to training in, in the Ferrari, you know, maybe this is... Maybe it's understandable, you know, that you have a good life, you have your safety, uh, and, and, and not only, well, well, let's just dwell with the, the, the safety issue, you know. I, I, I went to training camp in Hungary for five weeks, where, where I was the only European uh, with 70 people from Banias, and, and I see how, to be honest, how afraid they are uh, just to, to, to walk outside the hotel in the countryside in Hungary, you know. But then again, I'm starting to ask myself why, and and to be honest, there, there is a there is a reason. This is why you can get mugged or, or uh, you can get uh, harassed on the street uh, in a much larger scale in Europe than than they would experience at home. So so it's it's a big picture, and and to understand why they are afraid, it should not be. Uh, you should not maybe demand that they go abroad to to play football in, let's say in Belgium or Holland or a, a, a league in Europe, which is maybe not uh, among the top three or the, even the top five in Europe, but still a really good professional league, when you can make twice twice as much money staying home in the Emirates, being with your family and being a star. You know, uh, you have to ask yourself: Would you have done it? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's a perfect question to put. You know, that's what we saw with um, Sardar as well. I don't know if, Twitter, if you know him, if you know the name or not. Well, he's a he's a young rising talent. And one thing that really uh, made me happy, I don't know if Bob Akinsino know about this, but he was heavily linked with some top clubs. And we have a very famous commentator and stuff in Iran. His name is Adel Serdusipur. And he came on his show via Skype. 
And they asked him a question, is Arsenal, Liverpool, and all of these AC Milan, all these top clubs are actually after? And he said, yeah. But one thing that he was very heavily linked, but one thing he did do right now, as of now, I, I was just reading, is that instead of him, he said specifically, I don't want to sit on the bench. I want to be playing. So once again, he's going to play again for Ruben Kazan as a predominantly, he's a, he's a first-team striker. And that's something that made me really happy is that he didn't get brainwashed because they're just bigger clubs and stuff like that. And I feel like that's the, that's like the biggest mis, uh, problem in today, and actually in the Gulf Coast countries back at home in the Middle East, is that the players, uh, it's because of the big egos they have. Like from an early young age, you know, they tell them this is how much you're going to get paid. And they have the life set stone for them. And as yeah. opposed to in Europe and stuff, as I've seen, um, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a very big United fan, and I remember when I was usually watching Adnan Yanuzai from U18, he got promoted, and he, this kid had a very strong, very miserable life before he got into United when he was playing for Anderlecht. Apparently his dad and mom like, divorced, and there was a lot of issues, but he never led that back to him, and I feel like that's something that lacks in Middle Eastern football or in Asian football in general is that Big egos, as they just feel like whenever they got money or something, like life is just set for them right away, but they don't want to fight to get to that next level. I think that is why every lot of our sports are getting hindered from that. And I just want to see if you, like, what, what have you seen from that, though? From experience from coaching in Estonia and various, you know, European clubs and the life they've been through compared to, you know, the UAE players or other countries that you've coached with. Uh, yeah, I you don't have to go further than, than in my own backyard here yeah. in Norway where they sometimes bring in uh, uh, young players from Africa for instance uh, which which has been scouted I've been myself to Dakar to bring in uh, uh, a couple of one from Gambia one from Senegal young players uh, with uh, absolutely no CV when you bring them in you just uh, go there and, and scout them and, and facilitate for a, for a move to Norway and um, you see what kind of uh, how they dedicate themselves to to every waking moment, you know, to to improve because they feel that they have had now. When you bring them to Norway as youngsters, they don't make they don't make fantastic money. It's a it's a expensive country to live in, you know. So the yeah. first uh, contracts will be not able to save a lot of money just to have a normal life, you know, from day to day and. Uh, and you to see the hunger that they have to to improve it's something totally different because they know they have been given the ticket you know to 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 go further and and if you can if you can make it here which has been good for the Norwegian league that if you can make it here the the Premier League and so on other European leagues are scouting heavily here so uh, it's enough with maybe even half a season or at least one season on uh, on a good level here in Norway then. Uh, there's a chance you go first. But Bob Axino, any questions? Uh, I think uh, in terms of this side of the topic, I think we've we've covered covered many aspects thanks to Tor's yeah. insights. Yeah. I've a I've just a last final point I want to make. Tour. I just want to go back again to Brazil and the reigning campaign. How impressed were you with the set zone team spirit that these players individually had when they were playing against Argentina, Bosnia, and Nigeria? Yeah, I, uh, yeah we, we touched it uh, just a, a bit when I said yeah. that they, uh, they uh, surprised me in a positive way. Uh, maybe I was just uh, 
not aware how good they were they were because uh, because the, the coverage in, in Europe uh, media was was more focused on all the problems they had uh, but uh, yeah. of course they had problems uh, uh, with their preparation with getting enough games getting getting travels getting teams to come to Tehran to play uh, so I expect that uh, it was um, quite a different uh, preparation from most of the other teams. But I would like to ask you a question. Did they yeah. have more time together than, than the other uh, clubs from the, which had to gather gather players from all kinds of good leagues and get them in just a few weeks? Um, no. I, you know, there's there's a, there's a lot of problems. You know, even Bob Akinsino will tell you. You know, they could be in the wrong name. you got to think about it. There's a lot of political uh, things that happen inside within our country that hinder our sports. I remember um, what one thing Kairosh was talking about was even like the Yule Sport uh, sponsor we had. Apparently, they were like the when they took him to the training camp in South Africa, which Kairos was trying to predominantly help our local players to get to that next level. You know, help them with fitness level. He said that you know there's too many problems, and they found out the, the jerseys they had was they're fake and begin they were shrinking. The players were complaining about it, and just right off the bat, if you if a foreign coach comes and tells that on national TV that that's the kind of from from that point on, you just know that it's it's difficult. You know, in Iran there's a lot of things because even Kairosh when he was um, when his last press conference in Brazil he said it. One side of marriage wants something else, but I want something else, but they don't agree. The Federation doesn't agree with whatever he wants to do, so he was talking about, like, if one side of the family wants to do something completely different than mine, that's not going to work out. And I think that's a, that, that was the biggest problem, because a lot of stuff he wanted to do, the friendly matches he wanted to do before South Africa, going back to Vienna and stuff, it didn't happen. They promised him, but it didn't happen, which, which, is, a, which is a lot of uh, minimum, the minimum resources. That's all he had. And it made, it made us really happy to see what he just had. He still made this team go on to Brazil and go on and with the likes of Argentina, Nigeria, and, you know. And just because what, I, saw, what yeah. I felt was that uh, I was starting to, uh, to uh, suspect that this team had been preparing uh, better than the others because yeah. it looked to me as they, um, in a way, they could compensate some of their uh, lack in ability. I, I, I think really you're strong organization. I, I think you're actually like I, I don't know how many weeks other teams uh, spent together. I would say three to four weeks before, yeah. maybe three weeks or before the yeah. World Cup. But I think we yeah. started. We early. started way earlier than them. We started early. Yeah, yeah. I would say yeah, we may have had two or three weeks at least extra with the domestic yeah. players. So we may have had about five weeks, five five to six weeks before the World Cup, maybe five weeks, and then the World Cup period. So I would say maybe compared to the bigger countries, we had two extra weeks of uh, preparation. Yeah, but just because of the lack of friendly matches uh, hurt us. That was that was our biggest thing. Cause I remember, um, if I'm just seeing now, bro, you guys know. I think if I'm wrong, just let me know. Is that I think once we played, when we beat South Korea and Seoul, I believe they had before the Brazil period, they had already 14 friendly matches. But like that, we didn't have any friendly matches after that match in South Korea. Yeah, we, we had, had, yeah. They had around 14 to 16 friendlies. But yeah. Um, I think one of the main reasons why they had so many friendlies yeah. was, and we didn't was partly because um, we had the Asian Cup qualifiers. Yeah. And Japan and South Korea didn't because they were they were already qualified. Yeah. So in those FIFA days that we were playing the uh, Asian qualifiers against the likes of uh, you know Lebanon or Thailand, they were playing the friendly games in preparation for um, 
for the World Cup. So that may have hurt us a little bit. Yeah. But yes, you know, the lack of friendly was always going to be a, was always going to be an yeah. issue anyway. And uh, Kairos, I was listening to him last night. He was on uh, Iranian State TV, yeah, yeah. and he, he was he was saying how uh, he had to speak to the um, Belarus and uh, I think Montenegro's um, presidents of FA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to to make sure they come and play you friendly without any costs. And I think that really uh, just uh, you know yeah. showed how much uh, we. We were lacking the friendlies and we had to ask Kairos for help to make sure teams uh, come on players. Tor, I have a question about Iran's World Cup performance. You said we exceeded expectations, we did well, etc. But if we want to really go in as an, an analy- uh, and analyze uh, the performances, what would you have done differently or what could have done, been done differently during the games and the three games to have potentially help, helped us proceed to the next round? Or, would it, or, or is this our capacity and based on what you saw, was this the maximum potential that we could have showed? Okay, this is, a, this is an interesting question. And let's be honest, if we, if we, if we uh, look at the top now, the, the, the group winners uh, all went through from uh, from the the first knockout stage, which shows uh, what level we are talking here. So even even any of the number two teams in the groups, which which then went through, they went out on the first knockout stage. So we're talking about a level which is which is far above what you can expect from Iran. That's the truth. But still, then you have Costa Rica showing that uh, well, maybe it could have been uh, Iran, but. Um, I'm, I'm thinking when you when you ask the question like that uh, and try to look at it from the coach's point of view. What could he do and what did he do? And uh, the way it looks to me is that he did the only thing that a professional and an experienced coach like Kiros would do. He organized the team extremely well. Yeah. Uh, and and they were and and this was not only for the World Cup but it was also in the uh, in the games leading up to the World Cup. They were really hard to score on. And this is a if you want to make something in football over a, a limited period of time, you have to start by organizing your team to make it hard to score on. Because otherwise, uh, you can be as entertaining as you want and you can score goals. If you're easy to score on, you will end up losing anyway. Hmm. So I think he did the only uh, reasonable thing that a professional coach would do. Would do. He organized his team very well. And, and this was proven to a, to a great effect against Argentina. Uh, and, and it took the, the, the magic of Messi to, to solve it. And he, it's actually, when you look at it in slow motion, it's a fantastic goal. And uh, I don't think anybody is to blame for that goal, neither the first defender nor the, the goalkeeper. Um, it's a fantastic goal from Messi. But then again, uh, when this team, which I, 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 I would have them like a one-dimensional team, because they can defend, but what to do when you need to score, when you need to yeah. control a game? Uh, that's another aspect uh, which is less developed in the Iranian team and, of course, takes a lot more time uh, to collectively to develop and, and again, is much more depending on individuals, individual skills. Tori, I have a quick question. Yeah. Could you just say development and if Kairos, um most likely is going to leave and you talk about trend, we're going to have a big transitional period because it's probably going to be our local um, coach and apparently it's going to be Hossein Faraki and he won the league, the reigning league with his club full of last season. Do you think that's going to be all loss in your coaching perspective? 
Well, no, I don't think so. But again, uh, well, if you try to generalize, I would say no, uh, yeah. because uh, then uh, it will be many of the same players, and they are now they have uh, a common experience, which uh, which they all have felt on the body that this uh, actually worked for us. I, I expect. Yeah. So I think the answer to that question is no. But then again. It is possible to destroy it totally if you uh, if that is your <laughs> your goal, you know. So yeah. uh, if you generalize, I would say no. But then again, there could be exceptions. If to come in a coach who wants to do everything different, and, and of course he can even start choosing other players, and then then it will be gone. Of course. But what, uh, what I also yeah. think it's it's uh, worth men mentioning is that. To me, I I, uh, I listened to one of your earlier podcasts. Yeah. You discussed the confidence of the goalkeeper. You were not totally um, <coughs> clear on, on how he looked. Uh, apart from that, I would say that in my from a far from a far away perspective, this team looked surprisingly confident on the field. Yeah. At least until it came to the last game. Yeah. And that's maybe a question. Was it when 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 they know it would be decided? Maybe they froze a little bit. I uh, I cannot say. But my general impression is that this team looked individually also quite confident. And and you know maybe this is uh, due to the the fact that they were really well organized. And when people know what to do on the on the pitch, they uh, they automatically look more confident. So um, I think they were defensively well organized. They had. Uh, sound skills and and they looked also they looked fit and when you talk about maybe they had uh, you talk about maybe three four five weeks more than the others or let, let's say they had three weeks and then uh, when you're in when you're in camp uh, you can make even two sessions every day not to to work to wear people down but you can make uh, technical sessions, you can have analysis, you can watch videos, there's a lot of things you can do and I, when I look at the squad that Kiros had around him, this was an internationally uh, well prepared or, or, or well put together squad, you know, with a lot of experience, people from, from different, he had another uh, uh, Portuguese uh, assistant with him, he had an uh, American goalkeeper coach, you know, it, it looked like yeah. a professional team. And you know what they can do in three weeks? That's not that's not a little. That's not yeah. that's not a little when it comes when you prepare to the others. You get them in and then just have the traveling and then the, the normal preparation before the first. That's game. a good point. That's yeah. a very good. Point. That's a very great point. Sina Bavik, do you guys have any other points? Um, I just want to uh, <coughs> I'll elaborate. To the to uh, what Tor said about uh, us being one-dimensional, which I completely agree with. Yeah. And I think that is an issue for us going into the Asian Cup because, especially in the group stages, we're not going to be grouped with teams that we will be the uh, the lower size, if you like. No. We, we, are expected, we are expected to go out right, and dominate games, whether it's dominating the tempo or there's a possession and scoring goals. So I think... That transitional period that we are talking about, that we touched on in the last podcast as well, it's not just in terms of players; it's in terms of footballing style as well. Yeah. We need to uh, we need to play a bit more offensive, a bit more you know expressive going forward, and I think uh, that will be a key point going into the Asian Cup. 
I personally don't believe we can win the Asian Cup with Ace with K Rush or with Faraki or with anyone else. I don't think we can win the Asian Cup. Uh, to be to be honest, I'm, I don't think we can get nine points out of the group stages. I think we will go through, but I doubt we can get nine points. But what I want to see is is that development for the future. Is that uh, I want to see us going to that long term plan that we spoke about before as well in terms of getting ready for the uh, for the twenty eighteen qualifying campaign <coughs> but uh, I think in terms of Asian Cup I personally don't believe we can, we, t- we can go out and win I don't think we can go out against the likes of Japan or even South Korea and and uh, you know and possibly win whether it's in the final or a semi-final I think on paper we're not as strong despite being ranked number one I don't think yeah. we're as strong as Japan or Korea but what Kairosh has shown us is that in a game in a one game one off game in 90 minutes when you're set up right we can get results against those teams I yeah. don't I think we're the favorites but, but I think I, there's I a don't... huge difference because we'll be because in you know in the World Cup we would be with set out to go and defend because we knew you know we were, we were not the team to go out and uh, you know uh, really yeah, keep that, possession that would and, and Japan, Korea so, or Australia even I know, I know but that's 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 my point I, going into this tournament from the group stages to the further you know the, the, the knockout stages there's a huge difference we can't, I, do I don't think I don't think we have the ability to play offensive football in one game and then completely sit back and defend on the other game and I think yeah, that can that can hurt us a little bit in the further stages of the competition yeah. Tor, I have a question just going on what Sina said in terms of transitioning and the one dimensional side which you mentioned what do you think? Because I listened to Carlos Kairos last night and we were talking about tempo and why the Iranian players have very uh, much lower tempo on the ball and that's been a huge problem for us in the last 10-15 years or as far as I remember when we get the ball transitioning from defense to attack is very slow it's tedious so he Fashion. mentioned that how can you expect players to have a fast temp- tempo or transition when their training pitches in Iran are bumpy and the ball bounces and your first touch is uncertain because you don't know how the ball is going to come to you. That's what he mentioned yesterday. I mean, uh, generally in Asian football and uh, West Asian football mostly, the tempo is a little bit slower than when you go to the top-class football. Do you think it's the training facilities, like Carlos Kairos mentioned, or is it the caliber of the player that is uh, incapable of playing fast, one-touch football? What is the main, <coughs> what is the main uh, impediment to preventing us, or especially Iran, I mean, at least I can talk about Iran, is that why do we have such slow tempo on the ball? Well, um, Kairos may have a point. Uh, I don't think that is the key point. I don't know in what context it was said, but I would be surprised if that was his number one problem with with the tempo that the pitches are not good enough because I think this uh, is more a matter of, of style and and of uh, individual choice of players when on the ball than than the, the nature of the, the, the field but um, uh, let's uh, if you look at now we have a, we have a great chance now of studying this from different angles because we see all the best teams almost every night in, in television and and um, let's look at uh, Algeria, which uh, I expect you will agree that they go <laughs> really fast forward when they have the chance. Yeah, they play Is great high tempo football. They play beautiful. They that must be Germany. I mean, they they play foot. They play attacking philosophy football. Yeah, but is it comparable? 
when you come to to coaches to excuse me to to uh, pitches or to climate or but the Algerian players they're all playing in the best leagues in yeah, Europe yes. uh, that was the point I was going to France yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're, they've grown up in Europe to be honest most of the Algerian team uh, they're not local players they've yeah. grown up in European football so do you think yeah. that has uh, that has an impact or uh, at least uh, it uh, it uh, <laughs> throws off my my question because then you cannot compare because it's it's not comparable. But uh, but anyway, there are so many or, or there, there are different styles to see now. We, we talk about Germany being influenced by by Bayern and, and Pep Guardiola style. Uh, all, um, arguably the the most uh, possession oriented uh, team uh, of yeah. the teams left in the World Cup at this stage. Um, I'm, I'm still. I would still maybe put my money on on getting the, anyway, dream final between uh, Argentina and Brazil. But uh, but still, both Argentina and and Brazil have been looking uh, a little bit like one man teams uh, so far. So uh, to me, the best football has been played by Germany. But it's a matter of taste also. I, um, I it irritates. It's me uh, when I see people throwing off possession-oriented football as as uh, as football of the of last year, um, partly because they, they the success of uh, Atletico Madrid this year, um, and uh, I, I to me uh, you cannot uh, write off uh, Guardiola. Uh, Yet in, in my I, I agree with you, Tor, but if you don't mind me just jumping in here for a second, uh, do you think that this German team, obviously possession football uh, can, can be uh, can work, and uh, Barcelona proved it over a long time, Bayern Munich does well as well, but uh, I remember the German team from 2008 and 2010, and they narrowly missed out on winning the competitions in Euro 2008 and the World Cup in 2010. Uh, the same style, that at that time the style was a very direct, fast-tempo counter-attacking football. came to 2012 and Germany was out-passed and out-tacticed, uh, uh, if you can use that word, against Italy. And at that point, Löw said that we need to change our style and be able to dominate the ball if we're going to go to the next level. Do you think that he has forsaken too much of the strengths of that German team and completely change it to, into another team because it's very incomparable to the to the fast tempo direct football that Germany was playing under Love until two years ago. And uh, some would say that it's not as uh, let's say uh, cut uh, cutting edge right now. This German team, it's much more be patient, wait for the opportunity, and it doesn't play to the strengths of the players like Özil, uh, Müller, Götz, uh, and the kind of players you have who could uh, who could uh, let's say. Uh, give you a little bit more than a different style. Do you agree with that or not? No, I agree with your analysis. And uh, year longer than 2012, and look at the Bayern 2013, which was fantastic in my opinion. And they had also the the balance between being able to keep the ball and then being extremely direct when the when the opponent was uh, out of balance or outnumbered. You know. So, so I'm not saying that. Uh, uh, well, let's let's say it in a different way. The the next days will will give more or less give the answer to that question because uh, Germany, uh, if they go out at this stage, it will be a total disaster, and if they go all the way, it will be uh, used as an uh, as an evidence that uh, 
that uh, he made that Love made the right uh, transition or the right turn of, of uh, direction to, to develop his team. Uh, what I like about Germany, the, what we've seen so far, uh, is that in in the way they keep the ball, in it looks to me like they're always looking for the the right moment to to pass uh, or to 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 pass the ball past their their opponent's midfield. They're always looking for the the right angle, the right uh, opening to the ball on the run to to the attacking player. And this is uh, well, this is my kind of football. Uh, I, you can get tired if if uh, if you see uh, teams just keeping the ball for for the sake of keeping it. And, and Barcelona at its less or at its its worst to say it that way is sometimes a little bit boring in my opinion but uh, what I've seen from Germany this far um, I think it's I think it's a way to control games that is fantastic uh, but again to your question about some of the individuals not maybe being totally happy in this system I I would agree with you uh, but again how uh, you cannot leave uh, Ursula and get out of the squad either Alright, thank you guys, because um, we're like, it's one hour and 30, 25, 16 minutes, so I don't know if the whole viewers wants to listen to this long thing, but I just want to wrap things up quickly. I, I really appreciate you coming and speaking, and obviously you could come on whenever you feel like it for as a panelist, and thank you again, Bob Ack and Cena, for always coming on. But one thing, because I don't know if you guys remember the last podcast, you remember somebody, um, when we talked about if you have any questions... Yeah, actually, before before we wrap it up, I have one last question for yeah. Tor. Yeah. Tor, would you ever consider coaching in Iran, or uh, what's next for you in in your coaching career? Oh, I'm uh, I'm open to go uh, anywhere, more or less. And uh, the experience I've I've had now with uh, with my last stint in the Gulf area was uh, uh, it's it's only made me more hungry to go. Uh, to different cultures and go abroad again and uh, I would love to go either Iran or, or maybe Africa I would uh, I would love to try anything that that would uh, convince me that it was a place it was possible to to achieve something I have just one quick last point um Sina do you remember when we when we all spoke about if somebody have, has any questions well, somebody yes. on SoundCloud sent me a private message, Elham al Badavi, and she said that, what do you guys think about, you know, if Kadosh leaves, and, you know, we already spoke about it, what do you guys think the long-term of Iran is going to look for when, when Russia 2018 and stuff? Are you thinking, she said, are you thinking long-term? Do you think the next, do you think the Federation is thinking long-term, or are they actually thinking short-term, or if they're bringing Hossein Faraki as a potential responsible for uh, Kadosh? Well, you mean right now? Yeah, right now. She said, like, right now. Do you think the feder? She said, do you think the federation right now is thinking long term if they're gonna bring Hossein Faraki or short term? As and uh, what's our opinion? I think it's most of a short term kind of deal. I actually think otherwise. I think really, it's, I think it's long term. Uh, it might be a short term solution in the sense that they yeah. can't, they they cannot get a big name uh, foreign manager in yeah, that's what period was, yeah. before the Asian Cup. So they look for the easy option. But yeah. at the same time, I, I don't think bringing in Faraki just for the Asian Cup will 
wouldn't really add anything to to us as a footballing nation, as a football team. I don't think he would really add anything to us. So, uh, I mean, if if they are to to bring Hossein Parakey, then uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there is any there there is any point in bringing him just for these six months. If they are going to bring him, give him a four year contract, see what he can do in in four years. If not, they don't give him a chance at all. Bring bring someone else. Yeah. But just to make one last point about Hossein Parakey, yeah, yeah. you know, he's come under a lot of. Uh, Criticism. Uh, we we were you always to criticise him at not being a good enough international manager, and he's not an international manager. Yeah. But I think as a coach, he's a good coach. He, I've watched uh, his teams with Nafta Tehran and Fulad in the last two three seasons, and he's done really well with those teams. I think he's a good coach. I think his uh, his footballing idea and his footballing style is is good. He's one of the very few teams in the Iranian league who actually play on the ground, and it's really good to see that. But I don't think he has the uh, credibility to to go to put a whole nation on his back. International yeah. management. But again, if he is to come in, then then give him a chance. Don't just uh, and I'm saying it to to myself and and everyone else. Don't just get on his back for every decision that he makes. Uh, you know, just just support him and then see what he can do. If he made a really bad mistake, you know, in terms of getting resources, that's fair enough. But let's but, not let's be criticizing for every decision that yeah. he makes. But I would say, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. If we're going to hire Faraki, it has to be a longer term to give him yeah. a chance to implement his philosophy. But we both know how football works and yeah, Asian exactly. comes along. Faraki is coming and taking over from Kirosh, who's got legendary status right now, rightly or wrongly, in Iran. He's going to come and have it. We're in a tough group, in my opinion. UAE is a very good team. Bahrain always causes us trouble. Yeah. There's a good chance that we get knocked out with Faraki. Does he survive that? Is he able to yeah, survive that's what it? Will the trying, fans yeah. let him survive it? They were going to turn and say, look at Kirosh. He had that performance against Nigeria, that game against Argentina. We all know that's a whole different ball game. The styles were different. It's like if Kirosh was here, we would have won the Asian Cup. It's going to even more make more pressure for Faraki. It's, like, it's, it's something like David Moyes coming on and taking over from Sir yeah. Alex Ferguson. Yeah. It's gonna be. A, it's, he's in a no-win situation, in my opinion, and he's yeah. gonna be left out to dry if he's hired. I really do not see him lasting the four years. Yeah, especially and, yeah. if we get knocked out early. I agree, but I don't think it will be because of the pressure of the fans. Of course, there is always pressure from the fans and the media on the manager. But I think that you know our FA are not really strong-minded. They're not. They don't really stand their foot down on something that they want, even with Kairos or anyone else. And that, I think that is an issue. That will, uh, you know, if Faraki doesn't do well, that will be his downfall. The fact that Iranian FA wouldn't stick up for him, they wouldn't really take, uh, you know, take the blame for putting him in the uh, putting him in there in the first place, and they'll just get rid of him to to ease themselves from the pressure. So I think the Iranian FA deserve a lot of uh, criticism and blame if that is, you know, if that will be the case. Yeah. You know, we go out in the group stages and and Faraki is to get the blame. I think Iranian FA will deserve more criticism than Faraki. Yeah. Well, that's perfect, guys. Well, we touched on every point that that was your question. And um, thank you. I appreciate it again, once again, especially you, Tor, for coming on. And again, thank you, Bobak and Sina, for always coming on. And then, but one, one last point. Uh, we have France versus Germany. What's your predictions on that? Tor? Well, uh, you've already heard my view on the team, so. <laughs> Uh, but I've been impressed with France. I, it's good to see them back uh, as a, as a, as a team on yeah. the level that they should be. But uh, I'm uh, rooting for for Germany. And I Germany. Bobak. Uh, Calling an upset. My, my mind says uh, Germany will be too strong. Yeah. Uh, I don't think France has played top teams until now. I think they've had an easy draw, and the media has kind of said that they're better than they are. Is my yeah. opinion. 
But my heart somehow says that, you know what, France may just up it to another mm. level today and they may just steal a narrow victory. Sina? I, I have to go for a Germany win. I think yeah. even though France have been impressive with their performances, I still think uh, Germany has that winning mentality that I don't think uh, any other European uh, nations have, you know, in, in that sense. So I, I just can't... I don't think... Uh, Germany will uh, will let this one go easily. I think they'll uh, they'll go through to the semi-finals. And do you think Brazil is going to get upset today? I hope so. Hope so. so. <laughs> Tour. I think Colombia. I think Colombia has played the best football of the tournament. So, I mean, uh, I, I I feel Brazil has another year. I think the pressure is really yeah. intensive on that team. It's a young team. Generally, the the key man is Neymar, and uh, you don't see too many strong personalities like Dunga or Mauro Silva, or the kind of players of the uh, of the past in this team. Uh, even the captain Thiago Silva is not the kind of uh, vocal or strong leader that you would you would uh, you would want in the team but uh, I feel that Brazil has more to offer and I kind of think they're going to win tonight and yeah. I, f- I still say they're going to win the title Yeah, I, o- I also think this is the first game that Colombia will go into as the outsiders Yeah, in, the, in every That's other right. game they would have, yeah. they, 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 yeah. they've been favourites so I think it would be interesting yeah. to see how they approach the game because to be honest I don't think they would have any pressure in them going into the game because I think all the pressure is on Brazil so it would be, be interesting to see how they deal with that as well yeah, tour. Yeah, that that'll go for all teams that meet Brazil, yeah. even in the final. You know, that they will, uh, the pressure will be stronger on Brazil than the opponent, maybe. Oh, yeah. But uh, but the only thing I I I, uh, I agree totally with the, the analysis of Brazil that uh, <coughs> when it comes to come, when you speak about the personalities, the leaders, and the central midfielders, and uh, but there is another question also, and it's of course the number nine, you know, top striker. Can you win the World Cup? Uh, without a world-class striker because okay Freddy he's good but uh, or he's a he's a striker <laughs> but he's not yeah. he's not the, you know what I think he's, he's got two or three goals left in him I, I actually think he may score a couple between now and I mean you gotta think about Ronaldinho the players see it as a behind the striker and then you have Neymar behind Fred and Joe yeah, yeah. Well, anyways, uh, I really appreciate it, guys. Tour, one lasting point. What you got on right now? No, no, just uh, just uh, happy to speak to you guys. And, yeah. And, uh, and good luck with, uh, with the future. And, uh, and let's uh, just enjoy the games tonight. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank you again, everyone. And if the viewers have any questions specifically for Tour, Bob, I Christina, I uh, uh, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for coming on. Um, see you guys soon. Take care. Take care, guys. Okay.